Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Before Sports Entertainment Podcast. I am Ashley Gamble, joined again this week by Trey Gamble and Peter Glover. Guys, how are you? Woo! Man, fabulous as always. Well, I can't I can't compete with Woo two weeks in a row. It's my Woo Wings was my last week. This week is <laughs> all I can tell you is, you know, I ate a whole bowl of alphabet soup before we started the same, so I'm ready to crap some good arguments, guys. <laughs> I heard that. All right, uh, Peter Glover has taken the lead on this week's episode. So, Pete, I'm going to turn it over to you. Take off. All right. So, we discussed about different wrestling organizations. And one that I really was in love with by October 2nd, 2019, with the first episode of AW Dynamite was AW. Now, let me just say that I met Ashley at church, and on Wednesday nights, I didn't talk to Ashley much. She wanted to talk wrestling. I said, man, I got to get home and watch AEW. He looked at me like I was an idiot. (laughs) Now, I understand now why that happened. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about how good AEW was because the product you're seeing now, in my opinion, just doesn't cut it. So first, I want to talk about what got me into AEW. Now, WWE has been stagnant for a while. Same matches, same people fighting each other. And AEW is a breath of fresh air. I mean, Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is one of my all-time favorites. So I was like, man, I've got to watch this if Chris Jericho is involved. So it starts AEW. You have new wrestlers. I start seeing these people I've never seen that are real big in the indies like Luchasaurus. I mean, who doesn't want to see a big old dinosaur with a mask on? So I said, and I've got to start watching this. And I, watching it, and I did. And I started to see just things I've never seen in the ring before. I started seeing faster matches. Now, buildup of the match, it was just like intense from the get-go. Then as you keep watching it, they started doing old school things. They started using blood. They started pushing the envelope a little bit. They reminded me of the Attitude Era. And you could also say that they started respecting some of these territories by bringing different people in. So from week to week, I was like, I don't know who's going to show up. And once I really got invested into the storylines, I really was just pretty much my breath was taken away. You know, I remember going into some of the pay-per-views. I mean, you saw things that you have never seen before. For instance, the stadium stampede. Now, some people didn't like that, but I thought it was cool because one of the things I could say is during COVID, there wasn't very much to watch. You would watch AEW. And you wouldn't even know it's COVID because they had wrestlers in the crowd. And the wrestlers in the crowd were a story in itself because you didn't know what pretty Peter Avalon would be doing sitting next to the librarian. So it was interesting because when you watch WWE, and I know we've seen the WrestleMania where the two fans that were in there were actually the ceiling fans. It wasn't very much fun to watch. And that really got me into AEW was just during COVID because the product was so much better. They had vignettes. They had things that you hadn't seen. They brought back Jake the Snake, for instance. Some of these wrestlers that we hadn't seen in forever. And it just really got you vested in. What you guys like about it? Ashley, you want to go first? You want me to take it? No, go ahead, because mine's going to be short and sweet. Okay, okay. Well, I'm kind of like Peter. The alternative aspect of it, I think, Peter, I texted you that uh, the other day. The alternative aspect of it was just, okay, I've got to at least give it a try because, man, 
I'm WWE's just getting boring. I and mean, there's nothing else. I mean, Impact Wrestling had gotten, you know, pretty much unless you had the right cable provider, you couldn't even watch that unless you had to go on the internet. And then you look at the names they had. Wait a minute, Jericho's all elite. Cody is an EVP, gonna be an every week performer. Yes, the young bucks are glorified idiots. Understand that. But Kenny Omega, man, he just come off the Okada series that he had. Omega Okada 2, one of the best matches if you've never seen, you need to see it. Kenny Omega in the right organization with the right direction is a star. I don't care what you think about him in AEW. But having Omega in there, then you bring it in, because I used to watch, I don't know if either one of y'all ever watched um, Lucha Underground. Oh, yeah, I did. Penta. Penta. Exactly. Pentagon, That's right. Pentagon Jr. at the time. Ray Phoenix. Would you got the Lucha Brothers? Well, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is something here, guys. This is something I can really get into. Of course, yeah, they had a lot of the indie darlings that you've never heard of at the time, like the Darby Allens and Britt Bakers and Sammy Guevara's and all that. But, man, it was just like, and then, like, you know, I was like, they got some star power behind it. They got money behind it. And Jericho and Cody, they kind of know how the big show works. Their minds helping Tony Khan out. This is going to, and at first it was, it was pretty freaking cool. I'm not going to lie. And then, like, they brought, like Peter said, they brought in, like, they were in South Haven at the Lander Center. They did a tribute to Memphis Territory Wrestling, had the Legends of Memphis Wrestling that were not under contract with another organization at the time in the ring and honored them. That's just something cool. You know what I'm saying? And then when they go to Texas, they bring out the Von Erics and stuff like that. And they brought out Jake the Snake. And then Peter, actually, I know Peter brought him up. Actually, do you remember when Jake the Snake first showed up on AEW television, who he confronted? I don't. It made it so, I was like, this is going to be cool because you know Jake's old as dirt. And he, with that gravelly voice, he walked out on Cody Rhodes' in-ring promo, got in the ring, and he called him Caesar. Hail Caesar. Because Cody's supposed to be the end-all, be-all of AEW, remember? And he was like, Caesar, mighty Caesar. He said, one thing you forgot, I was always told, never turn your back on someone that you fear. And Jake the Snake dropped the microphone and turned his back to Cody like, I don't, I'm not scared of you. That made you want to watch next week what's going to happen. So that mm-hmm. was that was some of the good about why I was looking forward to it. The stuff they were doing out the gate. The stadium stampede, yes, different. During COVID, need It's kind of like the Boneyard match in WWE. Best match of that WrestleMania. You know, and I didn't say the uh, Penta brothers, you know, Penta El Micero, they were incredible to watch. That's one of the first things I remember because I did see them in Lucha Underground. But watching those guys work, I was like, I've never seen anything like this. And I remember, too, that Evil Uno used to have, you know, before uh, the guy came, it was just him and his minions. And he had the numbers. And them going to the ring and him sitting on them, and they were like these just faceless mimes. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever – it was really just different. It was something that needed – it was like a kickstart that needed in wrestling. Absolutely. Out of the box. Out of the box thinking. Exactly. What you got, Ashley? <laughs> Ashley's our uh, our hater, so just just know that. 
No, I'm, I, all right. So, in all honesty, uh, when word first came out that there was going to be another organization, it was going to be called AEW, and they had a billionaire, you know, to, to fund it. And Cody Rhodes was going to be involved, and Chris Jericho was going to be involved. I said, well, this could be interesting. Then I listened to Jericho's podcast where he discussed how he ended up with AEW and that process and how that happened all came together and that, uh, you know, he had talked to Vince McMahon and uh, McMahon said, go for it. Uh, and then after he, you know, signed a contract with AEW, McMahon asked him, hey, can you get out of it? And he's like, no, I signed a contract. And so I was like, all right, so this could be interesting. So I was thinking, all right, well, let's give it a shot. And now I'm going to admit to something that neither one of you guys know. I actually bought a AEW sticker and an AEW T-shirt. You're lying. No not, way. I, I am not lying. Where is I, oh, I, I was, see it. I was, well, you're not going to see it because it's been, the sticker has been uh, torn up and the T-shirt was burned uh, after I realized what was going on because I just couldn't support it. So here we go. So Cody Rhodes, right? Uh, and, you know, Cody's good. He's good. I remember when uh, he was NWA world champion and he fought Jerry Lawler uh, during that time when Cody was making his rounds on the indies, right? Um, so I, re- I remember that. So, you know, Cody's got Cody's got skills. He, he knows what's up. He knows the business part of it, which I think uh, he admits now that he has no desire to ever be an EVP again. Uh, but Jericho, right? Uh-huh. Jericho's been around forever. Jericho knows wrestling. Uh so I, I gave it a shot. I really did. And I tried to watch it. And then the young sucks came out. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I remember when they first made their announcement in Jacksonville and they had that press conference and Conrad Thompson, you know, was the MC, I guess, of that press conference. And they shot off all this pyro. And that's when Jericho was introduced and the young sucks and everybody else. Right. Correct. And so I was willing to give it a try, but when it got, to the point and it didn't take long for me because you know i'm an old school territory guy uh when it got to the point of you know the young bucks they are you know i wouldn't walk across the street to piss on them if they were on fire i'm sorry i don't have anything for them you know they're not trained they train themselves they're trampoline cowboys and you know AEW is basically now in my oh, i tell you what i'm not gonna say what it is now but I honestly gave it a shot. I bought a sticker. I bought a T-shirt. And it didn't take me long to lose confidence in it. That's all I'm going to say for right now. And, you know, that can actually lead into the bad, what we're going to discuss. Because we've pretty much said all the good. We we forgot to mention, and I'm sure that we all were nostalgic with good old JR there. Oh, yes. It's gotten to the point where what you said, there's not enough people that know how to wrestle. You know, we a lot of – People call it the flippity show because they do flips, but their flips are not good. It's not realistic. Now, the Lucha Brothers, they can do it all night long, and I'll watch it. But a lot of these guys, they can't do it. Speaking of the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks were actually offered a NXT contract and turned it down because they said they already knew how to wrestle. Well, if you've watched any Young Buck, match, buck matches, you know they can super kick. You know they can fly around the ring, but they're not very good at it. And that's the problem I have with a lot of these wrestlers. They're not good performers in the ring. They're, I mean, you think about Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy, and you know how I feel about the Hardy boys. 
great wrestlers. But when they got that concussion on the pay-per-view. And oh, his, my God. I, I thought he died. I thought everybody did. Everybody thought he died. But that is not protecting your wrestlers. And people say what they want about wrestlers. They put their bodies on the line. And when I saw that, I kind of got upset because they kept the match going. Because it should have been stopped. And that's going to happen. I've even heard people say, I can't believe somebody has not died yet in the ring in AEW because that's just how bad it is. Well, Peter, and on top of that, you talk about the Matt Hardy thing. and They kept going. Matt Hardy had no clue they were even still going. Nope. Sammy Guevara should have known better than to keep going. He should have done something. But on top of that, the, the referees need better training in AEW to look out on the well-being of their performers. Correct. Those referees, I mean, it, and, and look, and this is, a, this is about AEW, the likes, the dislikes, which are going to be many coming up, which we all know the likes. I'm surprised we talked almost 15 minutes about them. But, man, compare WWE's officials. They are it's some, like what happened to Giovanni a week ago. As soon as he hit the mat, the referee was down beside him with that earpiece and that button on his belt, letting them know in the back, something ain't right here. That's right. Immediately. And it was not, he wanted to keep going. No, it was get his ass out the ring. And, you know, saying that, you're exactly right, because it brings up another point. Aubrey Ebers, wants, he, they're, they're the leading lady that is an AW referee. It's like she wants to be the center of attention. To be a good re, uh, referee, you're not, you're non-existent. And too many times, it really kind of irks me when she's pulling these wrestlers off like that's really going to happen. Don't insult my intelligence on that. Also, you think of something that they never do a 10 count. They don't ever make the right tags. And the referee is supposed to get in there and make sure something's done, and they don't do it. Well, a good point on that, too. The female officials in WWE, I forget they're even females because they, they're just out of they're my thought good. process. I agree. You don't even notice that that's a, a white female or a black female referee in the ring. She's just the referee there for the count and make you follow the rules. She never interjects herself unless a rule's being broken. And a 10 count is actually a 10 count, not a 35 count. Exactly. With they're, four second pauses between each number. And they're good at what they do. And I'm going to tell you something else. From the get-go, I have not thought the AW women's, and I know that Kenny Omega was supposedly in charge. I hadn't that thought it's been very good. I thought the only two talents they've had was Jade Cargill and Britt Baker. Now, you don't see Britt Baker on TV anymore. Jade has gone to the NXT. But they had so many girls that they could have done something with. And when the, the AEW women come on, it's just like, huh, you know, where I look forward to the WWE women come on because they're great wrestlers. The saddest part of the women's division you look at their women's champion. I like Tony Storm. She she is a proving a proven female wrestler. She has nobody who can wrestle with her except for one person that's still there other than Britt Baker. Guess who it is? Thunder Russell. Well, now that she's back, yeah, I'll throw her in there because I, I wouldn't even count her in the past year, Chris Statlander. Yep. Chris Statlander is a star, guys. But she's in the wrong company to be made a star. Yep. Chris Statlander would be everything. She'd be like, to me, she is a, a Bailey-Becky Lynch crossover. You know, and that goes into the other point that I was going to talk about, is the way they book it. Yes. You know, 
we know that Vince can be a jerk, but we're talking about Vince, let's say 2017 prior, okay, before he just kind of just let it go, when he got rich, so to say. But it's like, hey, Tony, we're going to do this. Sure, go ahead, do it. And it's it's indie bullcrap is basically what it is. And he's not going to tell them no. And the booking on it is terrible. I remember that the wrestlers don't even listen to the veterans in the back. I remember uh, Steven Regal, he got out of the company really quick. They come over, they have the Blackpool Combat Club. Steven Regal comes. It's really cool. He's gone three months later. They ask him, why did you leave? Well, nobody's listening to me in the back. How are you going to get better at your craft if you're not listening to the greats? Well, it's the same thing. It goes to the top. You tell the boss what you're going to do, and you do it. So how are you going to get yourself better as a What? Yeah, absolutely. And you think about the veterans in the back. It's not just the William Regal that was there. They had Arn Anderson. They got Dean Malenko. They got Jerry Lynn. They have Dustin Rose, Paul White, and Mark Henry and Jim Ross at their everyday disposal and will not use them. Mm-mm. Well, oh, uh, Dustin Rhodes, he's a Hall of Famer, man. Well, yeah, which, I like him, Cody. Which one, which member of All Friends Wrestling was the uh, one that when JR early on tried to call, you know, call him out and say, look, some of this stuff's just ridiculous. You know, you need to back up and punt. Well, then they started picking this. I forgot who it was. He started picking on JR. Like, what do you know? You're just all washed up in a has-been. It wasn't and Hangman Adam Page, was it? It was Hangman Adam Page. And then and then they asked uh, in an interview, well, speaking of Hangman, so he was asked in an interview, uh, you know, with all these veterans that are backstage at AEW, you know, do you take any – do you ask them for advice? He goes, well, I don't really listen or go to them for advice because <laughs> you, gotta, you have to remember I'm part of this revolution. Really, dude? You were drinking beer and riding a lawnmower, and you're who's, part of the revolution. Who's okay. done? Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, guys, and that's the thing about it. One of the things that that is impressive to me about young stars, and look, they give MJF on on the the Twitterverse, the Instagrams, the socials, all that crap. You know, he he's just kayfabe. He's in character twenty four seven year round. But when he does actual legit open interviews away from Tony Khan and all that, he praises Cody Rhodes in real life for yes. what he's done for him as far as teaching him. He praises Jericho. You see what I'm saying? He has no – and he's MJF Peter, 27, correct? Mm-hmm. He, he, you don't hear him praising the young bucks. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is so worried, like, like they say on Cornette, so worried about Rio. What do you see in a 102-pound woman that makes you buy in that she can whoop your butt? Nothing. I hadn't understood it either. And, you know, that kind of leads me into storylines. You know, you were talking about a guy drinking beer, how it's been done before. You know, we saw Stone Cold do that all through the 90s, and it was the greatest thing ever. And it's just like, are they trying to make Hangman Stone Cold? Never well, happened. I, it, it won't. But, you know, I think they shot themselves in the foot when Dynamite first came out 
you had two hours of wrestling. They put their cream, the, the cream of the crop on there, and you watched it. Everything was good. There wasn't really fi- any filler. Today, you got too many shows. You got Dynamite. You got Dark. I think they finally took off Elevation. You got Rampage. You got Collision. I mean, you have wrestling of AEW every single night, and it really jinxes the storylines. You know, think about this, and this is where I started seeing it going. John, uh, there's a brawl. Uh, between Chris Jericho and Mike Tyson. And it seemed like, hey, I've seen Mike Tyson getting fights with the champ before. Where did I get this? It's kind of like they see WWE, they have way too much time on their hands, and they start inserting these storylines that have been done before, which beforehand, AEW didn't do that. They made their own. And it just drove me to the point where I can't watch it as much anymore. Well, the, the the Tyson whole fiasco, man, it was all Stone Cold, Mike Tyson, all over again. And, and at least back then, Tyson and Stone Cold, you literally thought they were finna come to real blows. Yep. Jericho and them, it was almost like Red Rover, Red Rover, send your next friend over kind of fight. Yeah, it was. It was, it was almost like – because. Tyson brought out, yeah, he brought out Henry Cejudo. Um, what's his name from uh, USC? Rashad Evans. No, those are legit badasses in the USC at one point. You see what I'm saying? Then the, yep. the one guy that's actually throwing the, the most punches would look the worst. What's the white guy with the raccoon eye paint? Damn Tyson's group. That was look, basically Eddie Kingston with hair. <laughs> Y'all remember that guy? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Look, and then they slipped up on the social media aspect of it. And after it was over, it was all over Twitter. The behind the scenes actor was over. They're all hugging and laughing, talking about how good it was and backstage. The same night. Yeah. You put that out on your own social media page. What? They've done so many things to trash their own company. Because when the inner circle <laughs> was working, that was a cool stable. They made stables relevant again. And then it's all of a sudden it just stops. Another thing I didn't mention was AW had the first year where records, wins, and losses matter. That don't happen no more. Doesn't happen anymore. And I always like that. I mean, yeah, pretty Peter Avalon was one in 107. But I appreciated them showing that. But it <laughs> made it feel like it mattered. But then again, they just forget it. Hey, on top of that, either one of y'all gone to the AEW page like like uh on, nope. on, on the internet you like google AEW roster oh i'm on it right now all right they have every wrestler that ever worked for them on their roster page except they for mjf they even got anthony a go-go peter how long has he been on the show four uh, years yep it's been since his feud with cody he hadn't been seen since and they got his record on there like the tag team champions on their page big bill and ricky stark you know, and, and that bill is six and seven record, but, but you know, wins with Ricky Starks. And that's the thing you, you talk about Ricky Starks. We talked about MJF. One to me, and you know how I feel about MJF. I think he's a great talent. I think he, I hope he goes to the WWE. That's why I'm not even putting him in the AEW term right now, because I really want that to happen for my 2024. He deserves better. He deserves better. But think again, that you're starting to see, 
you know, when everybody was mad at Vince and they started leaving and going to AEW, you started seeing your favorite wrestlers go over there. Because I always thought Claudio Castagnoli, who is Cesaro, is an outstanding wrestler. I mean, the Swiss Superman. They give him the Ring of Honor championship. He kind of goes away. Daniel Bryan goes over there. I'm not a big Daniel Bryan fan, but the biggest one was Rusev. And what do they do? They say his gimmick is he likes to play video games, and then everybody wants to see him. And then all of a sudden, you don't see him for a long time. I think he just showed back up on a pay-per-view. But that's the problem I have with AEW. You do have some really decent wrestlers. Y'all might not like Darby Allen, but Darby Allen was said by Dean Malenko to be one of the best he's seen. And I like watching his matches because it was inventive when a guy jumps from a ladder with a skateboard and ollies on you. I thought that was cool. And they don't push these guys. The thing WWE has on them is that they have their homegrown talent and then they make them into superstars where AEW has a chance to captivate on these big superstars, but then they don't do it. Okay. And you talk about homegrown talents. Yeah. WWE, they create stars out like Braun Breaker, Carmella Hayes, Trick Williams, Dragonoff. Think about that. Homegrown talents that they, they, they nurtured, they taught, they trained. Not until they're ready will you actually see them on the main roster. Very good point. They don't put them on TV just because they can do spots. They have to be able to give the whole package to you. And has it become a spot fest? I mean, when we watch AEW, that's kind of what it seems like. Because there's no story being told in the ring. Yeah, hey, hey, homegrown talents. Who's your AEW world champion? Samoa Joe. Where'd he come from? Huh. Ring of Honor, NXT, WWE. That's right. Who's your women's champion? Tony Storm. Where'd she come from? At WWE, NXT. All right. Who's your tag team champions? Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Yep. Where'd Big Bill come from? Soft. Soft, NXT, WWE. Homegrown WWE talent they nurtured. Rick mm-hmm. Starks is going to be a star. He is. Okay. He's like MJF to me. Hidden gem in that company. To screw everything that company's wrong for, that's one of the things they're right for because that guy needs to be seen. He's basically what? a mini version of The Rock. We talked about last week. People want to give L.A. Knight grief for he's a cross between Stone Cold Rock, 90s attitude area, the way he dresses and acts. Ricky Starks ain't nothing but a mini rock. If you look at how he dresses now. The way, well, the he, way he carries stuff, yeah, exactly. And then, then well, I'm talking about, like, they're uh, T- TBS champion, or TNT, the, the women's title, TNT champion, Julia Hart. What is her, what is her last name? Hart. And what is, what is she, they claim she's a lineage of the Hart dynasty. Isn't that a WWE dynasty? You know, but that also shows you as well, because... I, you don't take shots at competitors. Nope. How many times has WWE took a shot at AEW? Yeah, they compliment them more than they, they bash them. But how many times has AEW taken a shot at the WWE? From and day thing, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even Cody bashing and throwing with the sledgehammer. And that's the problem uh-huh. when you do that is eventually you have to eat crow and go back hat in hand. What did we say last week? I take notes. I'm ready for you. 
You know, WWE takes note. Tony Khan went so far with Tony Schiavone and went on Twitter a couple years back. Not just taking a shot at WWE. He took a shot at a front office guy who's not even an on-camera personality in WWE saying, I'm the only con in professional wrestling. He's Dude, a con man. You, right. you got your daddy's money. Nick Khan is basically one of the heads of the dynasty. I mean, well, no, you. Nick Tony Khan cannot hold a camera or a pill or anything else to Nick Khan's business acumen. Well, the whole thing is, it's just like, I believe we would all do the same thing if we had millions and millions of dollars to go promote, have your own wrestling company. But the thing is, we know we would properly book it. We get the guys in there. And this is, and I'm going to talk about this at the end about where the downfall is going to be. And it's going to show it Tony Khan. But one thing I wanted to say too, we were talking about building matches and story. When you watch AW, and again, a lot of times they really insult your intelligence. We know wrestling scripted. We know it's kayfabe, but when every match they do, no matter if it's mid-card or main event, they try to make it a WrestleMania match. It's like somebody gets a Canadian Destroyer, then three finishing moves on them, and then hit with a chair. What do they do? Kick out. They kick out. <laughs> Either that or pop right back up like Road Warrior Hawk after a Jerry Lawler pile driver. But it, yep. does, it doesn't mean anything when, if you think about it, AEW, every match – looks the same because everybody is doing every move under the sun. Yes. It doesn't mean anything when the opening match, you get uh, somebody gets thrown through a table, you know, pile driven on the concrete floor and then chunked off the roof of the building. Third match, somebody gets chunked off the roof of the building, pile driven on the concrete floor. Fourth match, table, table, table. When you see it constantly, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Which goes to what I said in episode one of our podcast, suspension of disbelief. Absolutely. You have to be able to suspend your disbelief in wrestling. And with AEW, you can't do that. You can't. Look, and, and here's the thing about what Ashley was just talking about. But Ashley, you were dead on balls accurate with everything you just said. Bringing back the suspension of disbelief, what we talked about seven weeks ago. I'm glad I'm balls accurate. Dead on balls accurate. But, I mean, that's what makes made me a wrestling fan. Growing up watching Channel 5, I believe the stories they were telling was really these guys felt that way about each other. They were actually doing that to each other. And I thought these were the toughest sons of guns I've ever seen in my life. And now, you like, Peter, you said I'll give you a Canadian Destroyer, then you'll give me one, then you'll, I'll pop up, give you one. They'll do five consecutive Canadian Destroyers back-to-back to, back to each other. And then the fifth one, you'll Canadian Destroyer the guy off the apron onto the, through a table on the floor, and he still beats a 10 count. And a Canadian Destroyer was created by P.D. Williams. I don't know, actually, if you know who that is. Yeah. Who is it? P.D. Williams was in TNA. He was Little Papa Punk with Scott Steiner. He created the Canadian Destroyer. He's part of Team Canada. And that was his finishing move. I'm sorry. Like like the Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray says, when the Usos started using the 1D, 
how did you feel about that? He said, I have no problem with it as long as it's a finishing move. He said, but, but if you give it to him for the sake of doing that spot, my and Devon's finisher, and it's not going to try to end the match, and then they get up five minutes later and blow a comeback after getting what we put people away with, you're, you're basically taking the beauty out of that move, the deadliness out of it. You know, you're, you're, you're basically prostituting. Speaking of that, I still want my money from uh, the, te- the Texas death match that was supposed to be awesome at that pay-per-view, and it was nothing but little firecrackers that went in at the end of it. Did you watch that? Oh, you're talking about the exploding barbed wire death match? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, now, one thing about Moxley, you got to give him credit when he got on the microphone after the, the crap didn't go off. He's like, well, once again, Kenny Omega and Don Callis can't get something else right. That, that's true. He basically threw them under the bus for it. But, that's very true. Think about this. Look at the guys they push, okay? You're pushing Hangman Adam Page, who is basically a cowboy wannabe Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who yeah, you just, push him who just drank Swerve Strickland's blood on live TV. Really? And that was supposed to be, you know, that kind of uh, death match or whatever. Shouldn't that be the blow off of a few? Uh-huh. Now they're trying to set it up where Swerve and Hangman go at it again. Wait a minute. This dude just beat you in a death match. I mean, so you're going to come back and beat him now in a regular match? You, could, you couldn't even hang with him in a this is your life kind of match. Win or die. Yeah. And then, and, but and look, you know, they, push, they, they push take a shit up. <laughs> that is name. That's what everybody calls him. I honestly don't even know his real name because I hear that name said just, so much. Just, just call him Tate. Just call him Tate. No, no, there's only one Tate. That's Undertaker. No, 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 no. Jim Cornette calls him old Tate. No, I'm going to call him take a shit up. Or Takeshita, whatever it is. He's a There joke. you go, Takeshita. Look, look, he could, in WWE, they can make him a badass. Mm-hmm. He's got think the about size, what they can do with, guys. Think they can do with Wardlow. Oh, look, I mean, that's a why you're not pushing, why you on the gas, off the gas on that guy constantly blows my mind. Oh, mm-hmm. and what are they fixing to do? They just revealed the devil is Adam Cole. Now, this is the worst storyline I've ever sure. seen in my life with where they want to go with it. They've revealed what, what they're going to do with it, okay? You got the, the kingdom, there's the tag team champion. Yeah. I'm a holly your name, Roddy. He's going after uh, what is Cornette calling pockets for the whatever international title. With, I don't even know what that is. And then um, Cole can't wrestle for another eight to nine months. So Wardlow's going to go after Joe. And when I get healthy, he's just going to give me the title. Uh, let me ask y'all a question real quick. In the past two months, didn't they do that storyline right there already? Oh, yeah. Christian Cage and Luchasaurus, the TNT title. Who won it? Luchasaurus. Who'd he give it to? Christian. When Edge or Copeland beat Christian, who had the, 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 the title shot immediately? Kill switch, Luchasaurus. What do they do? I'm going to give my title shot to my mentor. So you're, well, you're basically get... piggybacking off the same storyline that Christian and Copeland and Luchasaurus actually made kind of work. But that's why you got too much time on AEW. It's just like this. I think there's way too many belts in AEW. Oh Here, my here's God, my yeah. list, okay? 
You got the AEW World Championship, the AEW International Championship, the AEW TNT Championship, the FTW Championship, the AEW Continental Championship, AEW's Women's Championship, AEW TBS Championship, AEW Tag Team Championship, AEW's Trios Championships, Ring of Honor Championship. And this isn't including the IWGP and AAA Tag Team titles, in addition to other belts that are making sporadic appearances. There are way too many belts, so it doesn't matter. And, it and, doesn't matter to me as a fan. And I, I don't know how y'all feel. I know when we did our top five tag teams, I said I could have thrown the acclaimed on there for the year they had because they were over bigger than crap, just as big as MJF was in AEW. They were super over. But what got them over? Daddy ass. Oh, yeah. Daddy Billy ass. Gun. Billy yeah. Gunn, WWE talent. Well, scissor me daddy ass is what got them over. And by the way, speaking of time, I don't know the last time you watched a, a AEW pay-per-view, but I quit paying my 50 bucks because watching four and a half hours of wrestling is pretty hard to do. And again, that goes back to having way too much wrestlers on your payroll. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say these last two things about AEW. First of all, I think it's the beginning of the end. Now, one of the reasons, and it's going to be the same thing that killed WCW, is you got too many people on the payroll. And that was WCW's problem. You got to trim the fat. I mean, we don't like that Dolph Ziggler got, you know, fired or let go. Glad he's doing well in New Japan. But according to, I went to uh, SmackdownHotel.com. And as of January 8th, 2024, how many people do you think are on the payroll? Now, this list includes AEW wrestlers. And that's men and women, as well as managers, announcers, authority figures, and personalities. How many do you think there are? 122. 200. Oh, shit. Oh, my bad. 200. So the money's going out. I even read this, and Cultaholic said that they are to lose $34 million in 2023. That's after taxes and everything else. Because they've come out and said, hey, we've made 50, $154 million in net revenue this year. So it's up. That's not taking to effect all the costs. So at some point, DaddyCon is going to take it out of little Tony's hands. Because when you're hemorrhaging money, you can't have a business. And that, unfortunately, is what's going to happen. Because here's the good thing about AEW. I did think that AEW brought Triple H sooner then later because Vince's stuff wasn't working and having Triple H on there, the WWE programming is so much better because we know in economics, competition is good for everything. So it's a good thing, but I think it's on the last leg. And I want to know your opinion on this because I'm going to tell you where I really think AEW got killed. And that is CM Punk getting brought over. I think that was one of the high points of AEW. But then he got fired. And the thing about it is, as a fan, we're all like, well, it's because CM Punk is a punk, you know. But there's more to the story of it. We see that the firing of him with the Daniel Bryan hit squad, so to speak, where he went around and Tony Khan put the blame over on Daniel Bryan, saying that, well, we gave him the, uh, the reasons to fire him. I think people saw that and were like, this company is garbage. I really think that is going to 
hurt them so much to the point where besides the wrestlers, it's going to be a nail in the coffin. What do y'all think? Well, how do you fire? Let me jump in here real quick, Trey, because I know you're fixing to spew it. Uh, how, <laughs> how do you justifiably fire, terminate, dismiss, pump when the root of the whole thing where it initially blew up and Tony Khan doesn't have the cojones to nope. to fix the problem, okay? I'm not talking about what happened in, in London, okay? I'm talking about where Hangman Adam Page went on live TV yes. with Punk in the ring and did a freaking shoot on Punk. In the ring, Punk wasn't expecting it, caught him off guard, and, it's, and that's where it all started with CM Punk. You could see it festering then. And Tony Khan just looked the other way. He looked he the other way. And including in the freaking when Brawl Out happened, right? The, the media scrum. Tony Khan, the whole time Punk was talking, was sitting there nodding in agreement with everything he was saying. But he doesn't have the balls to do anything about it. Because he was so, scared for his life while he was sitting there. And you own a freaking wrestling company and you're in fear for your life. Hey, but he'll tell you that AEW is the safest wrestling promotion in, in, in the world. Except for when he fears for his life. Except when the owner is scared for his life every time a talent gets in his face. Can you imagine the territory guys back in the day being scared for their lives? Oh, my God. Look, they took matters in their own hands. They would fight you in the parking lot. If we ain't going to do it here, we're going to wait till we get ready to go home and I'll meet you in the parking lot right there on aisle five. What is it? Vern Gagne was the one that used to fight his own wrestlers. Yes, yep. Vern Gagne. <laughs> well, look, let me let me say let me say this. If I throw these names at 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 y'all, I'm just going to see this one, two, three, four, five names. Okay, on their roster right now, not including MJF, not including Darby Allen, who could be a star if he quit being a crash test dummy. Okay. Okay. Just tell me, yes, could be a star in WWE. They could make them a superstar, okay? All right. Chris Statlander. Yes. Yes. Ricky Starks. Yes. Absolutely. Mike Santana of, of Santana and Ortiz. No. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think WWE can make him a star in NXT. I think you would have to have LWO. Well, I could see that. With Carlito and them? That's actually a good point. I'll go with you, yes. All right. This guy, strapped with stupid gimmick after stupid tag team partner after stupid stable from Team Taz to Don Callis family. And wearing, I'm sorry, some people might think it's a cool shirt. I think it's the dumbest shirt I've seen just because it's dumb. Big, black, and jacked. Hobbs. Hobbs no. could be a star. In he NXT. will not listen. He's one of those that Absolutely. will not listen. But he could be if he would just go somewhere and, and open his ears. As Jim Cornette would say, and excuse my language, he's got his head up his own ass. Yes, but hey, star potential written all over just looking at him. All right, now this guy reminds me, y'all may think I'm dead wrong. This guy reminds me if – if he went to WWE, I could see them using him like they used Kane when he first came out, not talking because he doesn't talk in AEW. He's an imposing force. Kill switch slash Luchasaurus. You know, he was in WWE. Really? Yeah. Yep. I did not he know that. WWE. Not and as a dinosaur character. 
No, not as a dinosaur character, but he was used uh, several times, and he just kind of never made it. I just think that the way that they could use him with the, the way he is, like when he was with Jungle Boy, now he's with Christian, he never talks. He's the imposing, like, force. If he had a mouthpiece for him with that gimmick in WWE, man, look, the, Keith Lee, Keith Lee was in NXT. Vince McMahon ruined him in WWE when they brought him to the main roster and made him Bearcat. The Keith Lee NXT character, that, that spot he did with Adam Cole when Cole was coming down into ramp and he ran into him and shoulder blocked him. He went five rows into the stands. I've never seen nothing like that. But now Speaking- look at Keith Lee. Number one, he can't stay healthy, which none of the AEW wrestlers seem to be able to that you want to see. Because Keith Lee looks like a grandpa now. He, he's yeah, older, yeah, he is he, older he's than not he looks. That old. Yes, he is. He's older than he looks. Yeah, he's older than he looks. It's something with the AEW water, man, because he does not look anything like he did in the show. He needs to drop some LBs. Limitless Keith Lee and NXT. There was something to that, man. For a big guy to do what he could do. Yeah, as he gets older and his body starts getting older and wear and tear. He's not going to be able to do that stuff. But for a big guy to be able to do the stuff he could – and the spots he did when he was in NXT, they weren't for the sake of the spot. There was actually somebody in his ear, do it here because this is when it's going to mean the most. But don't do it but once. I agree. Like when he stood up in NXT, just stood up behind – who was that Adam Cole that time? Just appeared behind him like he was rising from the ashes, looking over his shoulder. You're like, this dude's going to kill this guy. But, you know, that's another person that just got buried. It's like you see him, then you don't see him for a while, then he's back on. I mean, he's 39 years old, so, I mean, we know wrestlers really are in the prime at 40. But, again, bad booking. Look, and they're, they're going to kill Swerve. They're going to they kill are. him. And Swerve can perform, man. He can. And he can talk. Swerve's a believable heel, but he's one of those believable heels that you can make a believable baby face. He's, he, they're turning him into a baby face, the crowd is. Because he's more believable than their own baby faces. They want to so, see him honk Hangman Page's child in the crib. Because they hate Hangman that bad now. You've got your, your biggest baby faces you brought when you started your company now, the ones people hate the most. People hate the Bucks right now. Good. They never should have liked them to begin with because they got sold a bill of goods and it's showing now you bought, you get, you paid for something merchandise. You did not get promised. Hey, Trey, they say that, uh, Luchasaurus was in FCW NXT from 2012 to 2013. He actually teamed with Corey Graves. Oh, that's the guy that was with Corey Graves. Yes. See, I remember Corey Graves and his partner back then. I did not yep. know that was Luchasaurus. Me either. Wow. That's crazy. That I- is crazy. Let, let me give you four statements, I guess, as to problems with AEW. Go ahead, because I'm all out. Number one, the owner dresses up as one of his employees for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that, that's, uh, that's uh, a dagger right there. Number you just two, hug him. Num- number two. A billionaire's son is fantasy booking his E-Federation, except he's using humans as his toys. 
Number three. That's true. Tony Khan is spending his inheritance while his dad is still alive to see his son happy. Uh, And number four, the talent doesn't respect the boss. If they yeah. you, you can't tell me they respect him because if they actually respected him, they would not be in the shape they are in as a company today. Dude, you, you want to talk about uh respect? Do y'all remember when they did that uh joint thing with uh impact? Yes about what a year and a half ago, something like that. And that the the Impact World Champion was an AEW champion, Kenny Omega. The, every Impact wrestler had a title, lost it to an AEW star. You don't think Tony Khan paid Impact a lot of money to let their guys lose to his guys? <laughs> hey Trey, just like how much money you think he's paying a lot of those rock and roll bands for to the rights for the music? Look, I and and, and I agree with that, but. I'm all for that on certain occasions. I am too, but that's a lot of money. Well, he ain't but got you, anybody to create music for their guys anyway. But but you can't do it for everybody. No, exactly. not everybody. No, it's but, not it's not special. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. That's not, my thing is like when you had Punk, yeah, cult of personality. You better with Edge. You better with his music. You know because it's synonymous with him. Moxley, man, that ain't nothing but Onita music that's Onita's wild thing Onita in Japan would come out that for his death matches smoking a cigarette wearing a black leather jacket dragging a chair behind him and but, you know wild I, thing Onita I don't get the thing where you know and I get what you're saying with it should be only certain guys Orange Cassidy okay he comes out with the Pixies where's my mind then all of a sudden it changes to Kansas Carry on my way. No, no, son. he's got Starship. The Bucks come out to carry on Wayward Son with Omega. How does that have anything to do with wrestling? No, that's just their favorite song for the moment. So dumb. And, and look, you know, I understand. Like I said, certain guys you do it for, but I mean, I love the fact. And actually, I know you bashed on my FTR last week, and you ain't got no, uh, crap in the world to care about them. But dude. When their music plays, I immediately think Jim Cornette, Midnight Express. You see what I'm saying? It's become mm-hmm. synonymous with them. But when you're sitting there, oh, well, I want to come out to Chameleon there. You see me rolling, riding dirty, and you want to bring out the dirty white boy. Huh? That, that don't make no sense. Because that guy well, likes that band. That's true. Let me ask you this, and we'll close up. So, I want to know what y'all's thoughts are. If you think AEW is going to go out of business, and if they are, how many years do you think it's going to be? I think they will, and it's going to be four years. What do y'all think? Uh, Actually, I'll let you go first because this was tough. All right, I was going to say five years. So, yes, I think they will, and I think it'll be five years. And the reason I think it'll be five years because I think it's going to – be that long before Tony's dad realizes Tony doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I, I'm going to say I and he's going to get tired of writing checks. I, I won't say a definite time frame. I'll give a 
four to seven, but it could be quicker considering one thing we've all not mentioned, guys. What's that? You lose your TV rights. What do you have? Oh, that's a great point. Because their ratings are in the tank, man. Dynamite averages 732,000 viewers. And the only reason they even average that because their last quarter hour has a run over every week that my DVR won't even freaking record. And what does it say? Because you can't time your show out right. When your silent partner, which is the network, which is, you know, TNT, TBS, owned by Warner Brothers Discovery, when they are opening and having talks with, with the WWE for their rights. With your biggest competition, yeah. What does that say? That's your own freaking silent partner doing that. Well, on top of that, it also says a lot when your big announcements are, we've sold 1,000 tickets to Wembley this week for a pay-per-view in August. We sold 1,000 more tickets. But WWE's big announcement is, if you smell, comes walking out. You see my point? Absolutely. The, 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 the shock factor of, and when you bring somebody, I'm sorry, Adam Copeland, he's openly said the only reason he left WWE, and it was very mutual and amicable between him and Triple H and Nick Khan, he said there was nobody else for me to wrestle. I've done everybody and I fought everybody and done everything I needed to do there. I needed some fresh things if I want to keep going a couple more years. I'm an edgehead. I'm going to let him slide. Adam Copeland. Well, Adam Copeland. I'm just a big a, get for them, but Mercedes Monet ain't going to be. I'm my thing with Edge, Adam Copeland. I'm afraid that he has gone over there and he worked so hard and went Morning. through so much agony and was forced to re- retire, right? Yes. I, mm-hmm. Back when, and I'm just afraid he's going to get hurt and hurt bad over there because they have so many botches. Man, look, I mean, Matt Hardy's lucky he doesn't have brain damage. Okay. Sting is, God bless him, man, at 65 doing what he's doing, but why? Rick Flair. Million dollars. I a love Rick Flair. Actually, that's your guy, but he needs to sit the hell down. I mean, even his chops the other night looked horrible against J.D. Drake. Horrible. But, I mean, the stuff they're doing, Darby Allen, he's young enough. In 10 years, Darby Allen might not be able to walk, guys. Period. He's your modern-day jackass star. That's what he is. He's living out his jackass fantasy. Tony Khan's letting him do it. I mean, you're bringing, and everybody you bring in that's a big star is a guy that WWE either let go, retired from WWE, or they fired. All elderly wrestling. I mean, yeah, you, you, bring, in, you bring in Edge, older. You bring in um, Sting, older. You, you bring in Mercedes Monet. She quit because she's a, a hero in her own mind. She thinks she's her cousin in star power. She ain't Snoop Dogg. Nope. Never will be close to that. She does not need to make Charlotte Flair money. Never should. She's undersized. She she overvalues her own self. Hell, she can't stay healthy. Soraya, on borrowed time, you see how they, they ruined her. Wardlow is a homegrown guy, but you've done ruined him. 
Oh, he would be a monster in WWE. Oh, my God. Did you see Wardlow having matches in WWE against, like, Drew McIntyre? Mm-hmm. That Brock would be awesome. Lesnar, Walter. I mean, you talk about big men, meaty men slapping meat. Shoot. But that's what I got, guys. I mean, to me, TV rights still gets yanked away. Shad Khan takes uh, the unlimited payroll away from Tony. Discovery Plus, here comes AW. And I do <laughs> not subscribe to that. Correct. Well, guys, that was good. I enjoyed it. We hey, got a. We got an hour, we got, in, guys. Yeah, we did good. Forty-five minutes of, of shitting, but you know. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do it. That's what that alphabet soup comes out good for, man. That's right. Well, guys, appreciate it tonight. We'll have another one next week. I think I might watch AW Wednesday just so I feel better about myself and all the crap I said about them <laughs> to know I was right. Well, I'm on DVR and I'll miss the last five minutes of the main event. There you go. Y'all have a good one, fellas. All right, Peter. Thanks a lot, Peter. See you, guys. See you. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Before Sports Entertainment Podcast. I am one of your hosts for the evening, Ashley Gamble. And joined, as always, with me tonight, we have Peter Glover. Peter, how are you? Man, I am good. This is day uh, one of no school, and I'll be doing the same thing tomorrow. So there's going to be a lot of video games played and a lot of calories uh, added to my body. <laughs> then you'll have to just work out more. Well, that's true. <laughs> hey, we also have Trey Gamble. Trey, what's happening? Man, not much as, as the Judgment Day says, guys. Let's just live, laugh, and love. <laughs> <laughs> That's only our truth. But he hey, is he's the in best. the Judgment Day. You can't argue with that. He beat JJ. He's the best one in the Judgment Day. There's no doubt about it. Hey, and by the way, our truth's uh, shirts are the number one seller in WWE.com. Did not know that. I heard that today. He's outselling Cena, Roman Reigns, LA Knight, and Cody. <laughs> That is so awesome. And you know what? Good for him because I've always liked our truth Comic and relief is so good with him. It is. And he's 52 years old, man. That's what kills me. He, he can move like a 30-year-old. Wow. Mercy. He, hey, I'm getting closer and closer to that half-century mark, So, and I feel it every day. Hey, hey, push on, brother. You got another 45 or 50 more to go, I promise you. I don't know about all that. All right, uh, this week we're going to be covering the top five female wrestlers of all time the top five females of all time and this week i think trey is going to start us off trey what you got all right guys uh this was when y'all came up with me and came up to the topic of this man i was like man i don't want to try to keep it modern because there's been so many good females and it's just crazy to me how many good females they've actually been when you start looking into it like, I, I got honorable mentions, Natalia, Mickey James, Gail Kim, Mae Young, and Molly Holly that aren't even going to be on my list. But my number five, born February 8th, 1958, and she died June 15th, 2007 at 49 years old. She started in 1980 and retired in 2005. The championship she has won, AWA Women's Champion three times, IWA Women's Champion one time, WWF Women's Champion one time, one Manager of the Year one time, 
She's in four different wrestling Hall of Fames, including the WWE Hall of Fame. She's been honored by the Cauliflower Alley Club. Man, sensational. Sherry Martell, man. That's a good one. And That's my number five. I still think, and I know we argued about this, and I'm just going to say it, and I'm going to leave it there. I still think she sang on Shawn Michaels' thing, but I know y'all told me she didn't. But I think that's a really good one. I totally forget about her. Dude, and you forget about her with with Harlem Heat. Mm -hmm. WCW. She was really good uh, with Harlem Heat, WCW. She played the perfect manager, especially when she was teamed up with uh, Randy Savage. Yes. uh, When she was Queen Sherry and uh, King Mach. uh, Just they played off each other so good. Of course, she played off whoever she was, you know, teamed up with managing. Uh, at any time, she was just really, really good. Do y'all feel like she was underrated for her value at the time when she was a performer? Absolutely. Yeah, I do too. That's why I put her in my top five because I didn't realize she'd won that many championships, guys. And I don't really remember her as a wrestler because, like I said, I'm younger. But I do remember her being with Shawn Michaels and, you know, the macho man and she did so good being a heel it just made you hate them even more like the whole angle with elizabeth and uh martel you know when they got into it it really made you hate the macho man more and i don't think he could have done that on his own oh no she her her just ability to and look when she would take bumps, you could tell she she must have been a performer if you never knew she was. She could take bumps like she'd been trained to do so. Elizabeth couldn't do that. No, absolutely not. And when Elizabeth was going to take a bump, uh, Savage, you know, Randy Savage pitched a freaking fit and just made him go over and over and over and over again to try to protect her. We we know how meticulous he was. He he wrote out him and Steamboat's greatest WrestleMania match move for move on, on a notepad, and Steamboat had to memorize it. But, yeah, Sherry, yes, Sherry's my number five, guys, and I look forward to seeing what y'all got. But I, I, I like my number five because, like I said, I didn't realize she'd won that many championships as a female performer also. I think she could have been a little higher, but, you know, opinions, each his own. Absolutely. All right. Peter, as- what you got? So this is funny because I totally thought because I'm not very smart we were gonna uh, <laughs> I did not know it was a top five. So back three minutes ago I came up with my top five. But as a wrestling fan we're always pivoting on the roll. So I've got my top five and I'm I'm pretty set with it. So my number five and I'm gonna tell you why is Becky Lynch the Irish Irish last kicker because nobody in the past ten years has really gone on like her when she busted her nose on uh that episode of raw in 2018 on november 12th you know she just she had this man gimmick the man and i've never seen anything like that done because she was like the modern day women stone called steve austin i mean not only is she a good athlete and she's great on her mic skills but she's just everything you want in a women's wrestler you know she's She's got it all. And not to mention, she's actually a six-time champ, which I didn't know at the time either. But uh, I really like her. I, I, I don't like the fact that uh, she is married to Seth Rollins, but I'm not going to hold that against her. So, 
Becky Lynch, you can't argue with that, with her placement on your list in the top five. Uh, yeah, I, I think top – yeah, pr- number five probably, in my opinion, is probably a suitable slot for her. Uh, my opinion now, she needs to write Nia Jax a check every month and thank her for breaking her nose because that was a happy accident, and I firmly believe if that hadn't happened, Becky Lynch would not be slotted where she is today. I, I, you don't hit the button, but I'm going to do it for you. Absolutely. Becky Lynch owes Nia Jax her, her fame because Becky Lynch, to me, is just – when she tried to turn into big-time Bex, Becky, she's not, in my opinion – She's top 10 all the time, but no way top five. But, Peter, for the modern era, she's top five. Well, you can tell every little girl that loves <laughs> Becky Lynch that uh, that, and I'm probably you're going to get hit because that's, that is who both of my daughters loved, and that's all they wanted to see. And to me, that's really big when you see it from a kid's point of view. Oh, and yeah. having a kid point of view, but also – liking her as well because a lot of times we don't like what kids like but i thought that was just kind of you know the full circle yeah and then you brought up the female stone cold i don't know if either one of y'all ever heard the interview stone cold did about why he's never been on tv with becky lynch he's like why do i need to be i don't need to remind people that she's trying to be me and then all of a sudden like a month later after the interview he shows up drinking a beer with her during the pandemic that's right. To give her the rub. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she she took off, uh, in my opinion, after she got that broken nose, and that was just a happy accident. Hey, but guess what? Good for her. What you got, Ashley? Number All five. Right. My number five is probably going to be pretty controversial, depending on who you talk to. Uh, my number five, she was born July 22nd, 1923, and she died November the 2nd, 2007, at the age of 84. Uh, and that's the fabulous Moolah. You know, she began her career working with uh, uh, Billy Welch and um, Wolf, not Welch, I'm sorry, I don't know what I was thinking, looking at freaking Welch's grape juice bottle over there. But, uh, uh, and his wife was Mildred Burke. Of course, Mildred Burke, if you don't know anything about her, I suggest you look her up, Google her. Uh, she was legit. Uh, of course, I remember, I think the first time I remember seeing Moolah was uh, uh, in the 80s in WWF at the time with the Rock and Wrestling Connection, uh, where she lost the title to Wendy Richter, who was uh, had... Uh, Cindy Lauper as her manager, or quote, second. Um, she was the first woman inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1995. She's also a member of the NWA Hall of Fame. I don't know if that really carries much clout anymore, though. Uh, she was an NWA champion four times, WWF champion four times. Uh, like I said, depending on who you talk to after her death, uh, stuff started coming out and pretty controversial. Of course, uh, a lot of people wanted to, quote, cancel her, but I don't think you can cancel Moolah, her no. past, what she did in the ring and, you know, her impact she left on the business. Yeah, and I'm totally with you. I mean, 
whatever happened, you know, we're talking about her wrestling career and she was a good one. Now I have to say myself being an attitude era guy, I remember the moolah coming out with May Young a lot. Right. And it's always seemed like Moolah was the one that was a lot smarter where Moolah, uh, May Young was more of the, you know, kind of funny character because having an eight year old woman like May Young get power slammed through a table for the nose, the Dudleys that did it to her. I thought that was absolutely awesome, but that actually got me starting to think about who she was. And I looked up some of her matches and I had no idea she was that big. You know, when you say she was an NWA all of famer, I mean, that is big time. And, it, and like Trey said, it should matter because that means she's done it all. Yeah, I, she has definitely done it all. I, I can I can agree she's done it all. And the the stuff and I've seen Moolah's old stuff, and you know, and with like I said with her, Ashley even said Randy Richter and all that. But Moolah, the stuff you find, yes, her wrestling career, but when she was in her prime as a wrestler also she was basically the ones who took over the women and she was abusing these women taking their money and stuff so man just just you know it's like i can't put jericho in my top 10 anymore just because he needs to be canceled well next time i see you we're fighting because that is my guy and i have all the fuzzy cds so i'll let you slide on that one well you can hit me with the kendo stick like ashley hit you and i guarantee you i'll fold like a table <laughs> But actually, I, I, that's good for all time. But I just can't get past. But the May Young and stuff with her in the Attitude Era, to me, they were the art truth of the Attitude Era for the females. Yes. Great well, comparison. You know, like I said, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, after, of course, all <laughs> these allegations come to light after she's died, right? Right. There's no defending on her end. So, I mean, you're only getting one side of the story. You know, she's been accused of being, quote, a pimp when it comes to the female wrestlers. Whether or not that's true, of course, depending on who you talk to, Jay Lawler says as much as he was around, he never heard anything negative said, you know, never saw anything like that. And different ones have said that. Uh, so, but, hey, you know, the past is the past, so to speak. And I guess uh, at the end of the day, we all have skeletons in our closet that we'd rather not rear their ugly heads. But uh, yeah. moving on, Trey, who you got for your next all right, my number four, guys, was born January 8th, 1968. She is presently still alive. She's age 56. She started wrestling at the age of 15 in 1983, and she retired in 1997. The championship she had won over her career, which would have been, what, 14-year career? That's it. AJW championship one time, AJW junior championship one time, all uh, Pacific Championship one time, WWWA Singles Championship one time, WWWA Tag Team Championship three times, 1983 Rookie of the Year, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, CMLL, which is a Mexican company, uh, Women's Champ one time, and WWF Women's Champion one time. And she was an imposing force back then. If you looked at her, she looked like a female road warrior, Bull Nakano. Uh, who? <laughs> that means you need to do your studying if you don't know who Bull Nakano is. Well, then how is she top four if me, being a huge wrestling fan, Bull Nakano? I guarantee you nobody knows who that is. Anybody, Actually, you anybody know who that is. watched wrestling from the 80s, and if you 
other than Attitude Era on up, knows who Bull Nakano is. She wore face paint, had the flat top spiked haircut. She weighed about 310 pounds. She was basically a Nia Jack that could do Keith Lee type moves. Okay, now I know who you're talking about with the with the flat top. She looked like that kid in play from kid in play. That's exactly what I was thinking of. That's her, man. I mean, it's no denying she was the big woman's like best big woman wrestler before big women wrestlers got to be popular. I just, you know, my and, and my thing is though, I just can't say that she's one of the greatest because if she was one of the greatest, then she brings attention to the sport just like you know we could talk about the horsewomen and stuff like that because she really didn't do anything besides getting that belt one time now we'll say she's a professional golfer and that's pretty cool yeah but if you think about it, she didn't do anything she may have only been in wwf at the time in america but you look at all wrestling in history she dominated the japanese scene and we can say, well, that's Japanese wrestling. She dominated one promotion. How many wrestlers are we going to name dominant? What did, other than NWA, what did Moodle dominate? What did Becky Lynch ever dominate other than NXT and WWE? Well, in all fairness, if you think about when Moolah was wrestling, uh, she, there wasn't everywhere she could go. There were only sporadic areas that women could even wrestle at the time mm-hmm. and because many- there weren't many of them. How many Japanese wrestlers, male and female, were coming over to the United States back then? I'll wait. Well, how you many have... American wrestlers were going over there back then, and you you knew about them from their Japanese days? Oh, I'm talking about female. Yeah, we knew about the Von Erics and people like that. Bruiser Brody's going over there. Abdullah's going over there. Even Lawler's been over there a time or two. Handsome Jimmy, all of them back then. But you didn't hear about the women swapping organizations from one country to the next back then. She did it and won the WWF's championship. Let me ask you this, Trey. Do you remember who her opponent was? SummerSlam 94. SummerSlam 94 would have been three years before she retired. Um, 94, I'm trying to think. As he looks it up. No, I'm not not looking (laughs) nothing up. I don't have a laptop open in front of me. Sorry. I don't either. They got dial up at Clarksdale, man. What you talking about? I'm not in Clarksdale. I live out in the middle of BFE. <laughs> it was actually a Lunder Blaze, aka Medusa. Yeah. Look, and I'm sorry, she could have easily been part of the top five, but she's not top five either. Well, you know, think about it. If she came back right now, I think it would really expand her. Obviously, she's probably too old. I think she's like, a great manager nowadays because she had that edge to her. Well, it's kind of like one of my favorites. She didn't make my top, but remember uh, Luna. Luna uh, Bashan was awesome. Butterface. She could do something like that nowadays, and it would be awesome because anytime Luna's with somebody, whether it be a, a gold dust or the oddities, you it made you want to see. And she was legitimately scary. And as I look at Bull from that's the only match I can really honestly remember, but she did have a wow factor to her. Yeah, I mean, it was like I've never seen a woman look like this before. Right. And to me, and that's she, that's a standout trait that only she had at the time where she was popular. And she I could move. Yeah, absolutely. But that's who I got. And y'all, like I said, I know y'all are going to think 
this crap on one of trades at least because we do it every time we do a top five. But, man, you know, it is what it is. Hemorrhoids are hemorrhoids. They all flare up. Well, don't worry. You're about to crap all over the <laughs> So, it, it, And it's okay. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But Go number four it, that I have is the Canadian Trish Stratus. Now, before y'all start saying, oh, she's a terrible wrestler, she's not the greatest that. But her beauty goes far beyond. As being a high school kid, middle school kid watching her, I wanted to watch every match because she was so pretty. But she actually single-handedly got the division and got limelight on it because up until then, really yes. wrestling wasn't anything to see. In her and Lita, the way they did their matches, it was awesome. I mean, those were pay-per-views that you could watch. And I believe that, you know, she really headlined a lot of them. Not to mention she's a seven-time WWE champ and a one-time hardcore champ. I just thought you could do so much. And I was, look, I love that they brought her back too. And she came and, you know, hurt her nose and had the whole thing with the, uh, you know, the, the thing for her nose because she was broken or whatever. But she could be a heel. She could be a face. And like I've said before, if you can do both of those, to me, you're special. And I think she was a very good wrestler for the Attitude Era. And that makes her part of my top five. Hell, her and Lita main evented the first females to main event Monday Night Raw together. That's right. So, yes, there's no argument on me with her being in your top five at all. Plus, easy on the eyes. Even today, she's easy on the eyes. And, and she's had three kids. And that, that's pretty amazing. Look, and she's got her own, what, yoga program or whatever. She does like DDP. Yep. And she was what, um, not not par parkour or whatever, but she was like a um, fitness model. She is basically the athletic version of Alundra Blaze. Because Alundra Blaze was pretty on the eyes at the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. Uh, anybody who take, I mean, any woman like Trish Stratus who would take a stink face from Rikishi. <laughs> mad I props, mean, mad props. Just like Peter said, seven-time champ, okay? Uh, uh, originally, she didn't want to, you know, have anything to do with wrestling. She wanted to go to school to be a doctor, and she was mm -hmm. actually at York University studying to become a doctor. Uh, I think she what she retired full-time. Uh, from full-time action, what, 2006, mid-2000s, yeah. like, something like that. Yeah. Uh, her first bump, courtesy of the Dudley boys, was through a table. In case you haven't realized, my number four is Trish Stratus. There we go. <laughs> Brain power. Hey, I hey, was just tag-teaming with you there, no Peter. Fourth, bro. That's awesome. I agree. I agree top five with her. Or should I say, tell her nice people power. You know, is she even, uh, what was it? 99 or early 2000 for just a short period of time, uh, she managed Val Venus. Really? I forgot that. Yep. Wow. Sure did. Hello, ladies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I remember him. I don't remember her with him, but, man, my thing is, when they brought her back, like Peter discussed with his, Ashley, and I don't know what what you think about it, but Peter, when they brought her back with this last little feud, was it with Becky, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And th then she wore the mask, the, the dashing Cody Rose plastic face mask or whatever. Thank you, Trish. 
Yeah, thank you, Trish. They could have done so much more to build Zoe Stark off of that feud, the way they had her with Trish. They could have. And they, exactly. they dropped the ball with Zoe Stark with the rub Trish and Becky could have gave her. But, you know, Trish came came in this last feud, uh, supposedly after, what, Lita got, quote, hurt. Yeah, Maybe she really did get hurt. Angle, yeah. uh, but, I mean, you haven't seen Lita since. Now, gr- granted, they're both retired. They're both Hall of Famers. They both make sporadic appearances. But, I mean, they just kind of dropped that and said, okay, uh, Lita's out, Trish is in. Yep. It, it didn't it, make a lot of sense at the time because, yeah, yeah Trish can be babyface. She can be heel. But I was really digging heel Trish and Zoe being like, her lackey, so to speak, where I wanted to see it, after the Becky feud, it roll into a Zoe Trish feud. That I felt like good. Zoe deserved the rub more than she got. Hey, and speaking of the managers, she managed Val Venus, Kurt Angle, Christian, Tyson, Tomko, and then the tag team TNA, Test and Albert. That's Look. not what that stood for. <laughs> hey, you're right, Ashley, but here's another thing. She also French kids Vince McMahon on live TV. That's why Vince became a wrestling promoter. No, that's when he became a man whore. (laughs) Yeah, right. Now he just looks like a vaudevillain. No, he actually looks like John Dillinger's death photo with that mustache. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, so Peter and I are tied uh, so far. Uh, You thought we were going just – Crap all over that, Peter. I really did. I was I was waiting for Trey to just start going at me. Man, what I tell you? I said, man, I can't fault you for top five on her, man, because the the staff speak for themselves. The popularity, the the ratings she drew, the money she drew. She was a top merch seller, not just for females but males at one time, because every male our age in the Attitude Era watched her, wanted to do her. <laughs> but you, but it, I, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but. Every time they bring her back, she they keep her around a little too long. The first couple of times, she gets a, a nice pop. But have you noticed that the more, longer she's around, the less of a pop she gets? And I think that has to do with her wrestling ability, to be honest with you. Because right. she's not a great wrestler. And so long term, you, you watch a Trish Stratus match, it's like, uh, I really didn't see anything. It's more of the name in her coming to the ring. So the more and more you use that, the less people are going to be interested. Yeah. The, the biggest, the biggest comeback she had, in my opinion, since she went in the hall of fame, where she got the biggest reaction and she actually did her best work was when she came back for that Royal rumble. She actually did some good work in that match. Yes. It's a multi-person match and all that stuff. It's a battle Royal, yada, yada, yada. But that's the first time you've seen her back on your TV other than just coming out for the nostalgic pop. She actually performed. To me, that was her best comeback she's done. Yeah. Hey, when she does make these sporadic appearances, she's not afraid to get on the top rope and jump off. She, no. Uh, she, does her, she does her stuff. She gets her stuff in, that's for sure. But Trish Stratus, the reason I've got her on my top five is I honestly believe she's one of the pillars that brought the – the quote women's revolution to where it is today. Her and AJ Lee give Divas a chance. And Lita, those three. I agree. All right, Trey, who you got at number three? All right, my number three. And guess what? Just like Peter, I think y'all are going to crap on me having her this high, even in my top five. 
Pamela Rose Martinez, born June 15th, 1989. She's 34 years old. I'm going to give you her accolades. Who is she? Pamela Rose Martinez is her, her what they call. Bailey. Bailey, exactly. That's her oh. ring name. Her, NXT oh, Women's you were Champ. giving us her Christian name. I'm giving her, I'm giving you her government name. Her Christian name. Government name. It's her government name. NXT Women's Champ one time. WWE Raw champ one time, WWE SmackDown champ two times, WWE Women's Tag champ two times, Money in the Bank winner in 2019, WWE Women's Triple Crown champ, WWE Women's Grand Slam champ, and I think she's going to go back to the real role model very shortly, and she's going to team with what left of the four horsewomen to take on damage control. Bailey's my number three. I cannot fault you at all, and uh, you know, when I think about those that are really kind of got the torch from Trish and just put it out into, I hate to say it, the stratosphere, but, you know, <laughs> just make it really big, Bailey was one of them. And what I really like about Bailey, too, is, I mean, all three of us are pro wrestling fans. And all my life, I don't know about y'all, even today, I get crapped on for being a, oh, you like something a five-year-old likes? Or, you know, that stuff's fake. And you just, all the stuff you hear, right? But at some point in life, we all wanted to be a pro wrestler. Let's be honest. Bailey lived that dream. She was always a pro wrestling fan. It showed her in a lot of these vignettes where, you know, her and CM Punk, that's what she wanted to do. And when she wrestles, you can tell that it means so much to her the way she is in the ring. Absolutely. I think it's number three. Heck, that's great for her. Look, and I know some people say, well, when it comes to the horsewomen, Becky, Sasha, or Mercedes, whatever, Charlotte, they're the ones, they outshot, they, like she was the last one of the four horsewomen of NXT to be brought to the main roster. And she, she didn't come when the other three came. She came on her own. If y'all She's like that. Hulk Hogan, man. She's like a Hulk Hogan of women. You know, like eat your vibe. she had the Bailey buddies and she's up there and all the little kids loved her. She was a hugger. She had all this stuff. And then she totally changed and became this like evil aunt that you couldn't stand. Look, and it was awesome the way she did. And I love chunky Bailey. <laughs> to me, Bailey with a couple more pounds, like she got on her right now, that to me, I like that. I don't like this cookie cutter image she had. But when she came to the main roster, Charlotte and Becky were brought in when the when Stephanie were the Divas Revolution or whatever Women's Revolution started. But you never saw Bailey. You saw Sasha come in with Naomi and Tamina and Team Bad and all that. Then all of a sudden, Bailey shows up to Team. I think it was with Sasha. Like eight months later, Bailey stayed at NXT by herself. To me, next to Charlotte, Bailey's the best worker of. The four of them next to Charlotte, in my opinion. I'm with you. What you got, Ashley? What do you think? Uh, hey, I like Bailey. I think she she's smooth. She knows what she's doing. Uh, she takes a beating like none Ooh. other and Ooh. sells. Yes. I mean, she is really good. <laughs> and, and you know, it at, when she first turned heel, right, you were used to seeing that that goody two shoes Bailey, right? But when she turned heel, you're like, oh, what is that? You're like, hey, all right. Yeah, because how's know, this going to work, basically? You kind of cheer for her now. It, and then the way it's playing out now with damage control, she's obviously 
losing control there and will soon be out. It will no longer be the leader. And that Dakota Kai, as hot as she may be, she's a little cunning heifer. Dakota Kai is hot in what way? Like hot, like like hot in the business or hot because she's attractive? Peter, am I wrong? No, you're right. See there? Dakota Kai, no, man, give, give me Kyrie We've had this conversation, Trey. <laughs> give me Kyrie Sane any day of the week when it comes to the, the heels. And, because they're bullying the crap out of Bailey. So you're going to see that role model hugger come back out. And it's probably going to be WrestleMania where this culminates. Because I guarantee you damage control is going to eliminate her from the Royal Rumble. Well, I'm about to tell you my number three. And my number three is somebody that, and I'm going to say, Trey, you probably know more on the other promotion that she she is with now than WWE. But I thought, again, Trish Stratus was my number four. Mickey James is my number three. Good, she good can, one, good one. She can wrestle. And I, the – one of the best matches in WrestleMania was when uh, James fought Trish in WrestleMania 22. It was one of the best matches I've seen. And she was that heel that really got, you know, over with the good, the, the faces for the women's division during the Attitude Era. Not only is she a beautiful woman, but she's done more stuff than just WWE because she was, uh, and I didn't know this, she was a five-time WWE Women's Champ, but she's also a five-time Impact uh, Knockout World Champ. And that in itself is a feat, not to mention that she just uh, took over and she's going to be with uh, OVW yes. uh, in a role with them. Yeah, the, so, role, I mean, the role is head of female talent relations and executive producer. And I love that, you know, because – I love women's wrestling just like I love men's wrestling, but there are problems about it. And I'm going to talk for a second about that. You know, I think that the reason it wasn't done very good was because of Vince. I don't think, I think Vince has old school mentality. Well, well, women can't really wrestle. We just want to put them in brawls and patties matches. You know, I I think that's kind of what he did when attitude era got there. But I think Triple H is the one that really has made this work because he's saying, hey, we've got some great athletes that are just as athletic as these men. Let's watch them wrestle. Now, the thing WWE's got to get better on is building up. They need to be more women coming from NXT to, like, give people more uh, heels and, and faces and stuff. There's just not as many women, and I think that's back on the company. Absolutely, Peter. And I tell you, when it comes to Mickey James, she was strapped with some bad angles at one point. I'm sorry, her and Trish had a great match, and I agree with you, that match they had at WrestleMania to culminate their feud. But having Mickey being this lesbian stalker, and then you had her with uh, Lay Cool, Michelle McCool, and Layla, Piggy James, and she just went with it and made it work, man. But her... Her thing that stands out to me is when under Impact Wrestling contract, she showed up the Royal Rumble to hardcore country with the Impact Women's Championship. And they just Mm -hmm. didn't have her in there for 30 seconds. She lasted like seven, eight minutes. You talk about giving Impact the rub because of who she is. They did it, man. Mickey James, hey, I had her in my honorable mentions. 
no problem in your top five for the reasons you said. But, you know, think about this, too. Think of, you know, Mickey James. And, you know, I think she's she's like 44, but she's, you know, in her lower 40s. And, you know, she doesn't have much time left. WWE, we have what's called the trash bag incident that pretty much fired her, put all her stuff in his trash bag and said, here you go, hit the road. And then she becomes TNA champ. It's just like the drive. Like you said earlier, she could do anything with an angle. I think it's the person. You know, South Dakota, she just a worker, man. Blue-collar worker, and that's why she's been so successful. Do you know when she first appeared on WWE television before she was Mickey James? Who did mm-hmm. she appear with? I don't know. One time only, and I think it was off of, like, I think it was, like, on a, what do they call it? Not Sunday Night Heat, but one of those shows that they would do, like Superstars or something. She came out with CM Punk before he was. They were both in OVW at the time. Huh. And she was with CM Punk for one one match appearance. She was his manager when he had blonde hair. Oh, yeah. Golly. A long time ago, guys. Mickey James has been around a lot longer than we think. But, man, Mickey James is not a bad choice. Man, the trash bag incident, I will say this about that. She has actually come out in interviews and said the first time she was let go, she got her stuff the same way in a trash bag. And that she said, because they, what they do is they go clean out everything you've got in the, in the trunks or whatever, and they just put them in a trash bag and put the trash bag in a box and send it to you. She said she did that as a joke, and people ran with it. She came out to say, look, that's not the first time. That's how they do everybody, not just me. It's not an insult. That's just They just do it to get, get it back to you as quick as possible. Well, if it's not a, if it's not an insult, Triple H sure fired the guy that did it. Well, sure did. yeah, because the the negative, the almost time to cancel WWE for doing that. But Damage hey, Mickey control, James, Bailey, Mickey James, uh, you know, going back to OVW on that that little deal that she's got, you know, that's kind of going back home for her because she's been there, uh-huh. she's got history there uh, within those four walls uh, where they have their matches and their their TV show. Uh, but she is also Miss Nick Aldis. So uh correct. She still she still has connection to uh to the WWE and I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see her at some point down the road back in the WWE in some shape, form or fashion. I sure hope so. Yes. All right Ashley what you got brother number three uh, we can uh, we might as well just go to Trace number two because we've already covered my number three, and that was Sensational Sherry, and she's my number three for all the reasons Trace said and and more. Well, I mean, she's been, she had been everywhere. She's done everything. You know, she she, she tragically died in 2007 at age 49. Um, I think she went to – I think she went to take a nap and just never woke up. It, I, don't, I don't think it was – drugs involved but i mean hey she ran hard when she was running um but yeah i mean she started actually started her career as a professional in mid-south so she had a connection there with debiasi of course she went on to manage uh debiasi and Shawn michaels and randy savage and we've already discussed all that uh made appearances in ecw you know wcw where she managed harlem heat I'll never forget the uh, interview that Harlem was doing, and when Booker T said what Booker T said, 
and he realized what he had said, and he just kind of closed his eyes and looked down, and Sherry turned away laughing and just walked off. But uh, <laughs> Google that, uh, or I'll tell you off off air, Peter, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's, it it was hilarious. Yeah, it was. He um, and she, he actually she wore these wild. She wore these wild dresses and the makeup, man, the makeup that they would do to her. And my understanding was that she helped design all that makeup, the way it was going to be put on, where it was a spider web over, you know, just one side of her face or whatever the case may be, or uh, just wild and crazy. But, yeah, Sherry Martell is my number three. Hey, good. good, Very good. You got her way higher than I thought. I didn't think either one of y'all would have her. So I'm glad she's on your list and she's as high as you got her. So, yeah, no complaints for me. And guess who was doing the interview when Booker – Sherry and Stevie Ray when Booker made the, the slip up. Mean, mean Gene. Gene. Mean Gene. But Booker bit his bottom lip and how Mean Gene kept his composure because Stevie Ray just he just blank stared at the camera like I ain't saying nothing. It was hilarious. It was a good, That was I, I didn't even think about that when I was talking about her but do y'all know during her time as a manager Shawn Michaels has gone on record saying she helped produce some of his matches came up with spots for them to do at certain times because of her mentality for how the wrestling business should be. I know he spoke very highly of her. Yes, he had no negative thoughts on her. All right, moving on to our number two. All right, guys. My number two was born December 18th, 1975. She's 48 years old. She has the record... Guinness record for the most WWE Women's Championships of all time. She was PWI's Woman of the Year four times, 2002, 2003, 2005, 2006. She was the Woman of the Decade for PWI, 2000 to 2009. Ashley, you already mentioned it. Peter, you did too. Won the Hardcore Championship one time, and she was in the inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2013. Patricia and Strategist, or Trish Stratus is my number two. There we go. Hey, we yeah. all had her. We all had her. Sweep it, baby. Got the trifecta on Trish Stratus, so that means we're all like-minded. Y'all had her a little lower than I did, but hey, she's in the top five. That means we're all thinking she belongs. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much more to say about Trish. I mean, we've said it all. Uh, kind of like the Road I mean, Warriors. We talked about them the whole podcast. <laughs> Peter, who you got? That's all I can say. All right, so number two, and, you know, she's just a great athlete. She's a great wrestler. I think they need to do some more stuff with her because she's starting to get stale, but she's out on injury now. But you can't tell me that Charlotte Flair is not one of the best wrestlers there is. She has – her father was Ric Flair. But, you know, the whole thing – and I read a book on her one time. She never wanted to be known as Ric Flair's daughter. She wanted to do it all on her own. She didn't start wrestling until after she got done playing college volleyball. I think she was in the Appalachian State is where she played. But her doing the moonsault is just phenomenal. It never gets old. Her matches are really good. She can sell. She can do anything she wants to. She's got to stop on the plastic surgery because it's starting to get a little ridiculous. But Charlotte Flair is the woman that you have to beat to make yourself something in the WWE right now. 
I mean, how many times has she been champ already? 15, 14. Yeah. I mean, and that's why a lot of people are like, well, she just needs to go to AEW because she's done everything in WWE. I think that the WWE has been kind of lazy just making her into a, some type of angle. But she main evented, she had her own pay-per-view, main evented a pay-per-view. I mean, that's never been done. And that all goes back to being Charlotte Flair. Hey, hey, good one, Peter. And you remember when uh when they did the, the, the women's revolution pay-per-view or whatever it's called, she fought Ronda Rousey because Becky's the, the happy accident is actually called it with Nia breaking her nose. Becky chose Charlotte. Becky and Ronda would not have had the type of match they had like Charlotte and Ronda had. Charlotte proved she could she can perform any kind of match with anybody. And you talk about the moonsault. It's different from doing a moonsault like Lita would do off top rope to somebody laying in the ring. You're another eight to nine feet top rope to the floor, and you're jumping up another two or three to flip all the way to the floor. And she does it about every match, too. Which Effort, is amazing. Like her daddy doing the flip over into the corner. Yeah. And it's effortlessly. Yeah. And, and you know something about her, too, you know, because I'm looking at my list, and, of course, y'all can look at your list. Think of a finisher for some of these, you know, you have Trish's elbow, but, I mean, the figure eight is an awesome finishing move. I mean, how do we make the figure four leg lock look cooler? Okay. Well, she's a was a gymnast at one time in her life, so she makes it into a bridge, which is pretty hard to do, into the figure four. I just think that is an amazing move as well. Well, of my of my top four that I've named so far, the only one that I can think of that even had a remotely close finisher is non-existent. You named one that has in your list who has a remotely close finisher that is reminds me of Malachi Black or Alistair Black, and that's the Mick kick from Mickey James, mm-hmm. the roundhouse back kick to the that's face. right. That's the only finisher close in any list so far to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the figure eight, it's like I'm not going to be compared to my daddy. I'm not just going to do a figure four. I'm going to make it my own. My dad and, flipped yeah. over the turnbuckle. I'm going to do the moonsault to the outside. And, you know, her being a wrestler, it all had to do with, you know, when her brother passed away. That mm-hmm. was – they were so close. It she wasn't her wanted, dream. It was his. Yeah, it was his dream. She wanted to do it for him, and I always liked that. I thought that was really cool. Having, you know, had a brother pass away, I just think that was – awesome to do and she has definitely lived that dream absolutely ashley i think you can agree peter hit the nail on the head he got a good number two man yeah i mean it's it's hard to argue with charlotte flair being you know on anybody's top five i mean there's really not not much negative to say there's there's no holes in her work um i think when she does come back from this injury i believe we might see a heel Charlotte Flair because she's like her dad, man. Ric Flair was a nasty heel, and Charlotte, you know, she's got that slappable face when she's a heel. You know, Ashley, I'm going to ask both of y'all because I think we both know who it is. Who should she feud with when she comes back from her knee injury? Jade. Yep. That's exactly who I was thinking, too. But Jade's got to get on TV first, man, and prove herself in the WWE kind of uh, mentality man there she need jade really needs nxt first 
Well, yeah. hey, Charlotte's going to be out nine months. Right. Yeah, so Jade's got time. Jade's got time, but she needs to go to NXT first. But Charlotte Jade, man, that that that'll sell a ticket just to go see that. Mm-hmm. And then the only other one I can think of she might need to feud with, just to be honest with you, and this is going to sound way off, but if they build it right, it's going to be Zoe Stark. If they what? build it right, because she's got time. They got time to build Zoe. What? <laughs> no, I'm they got that. time to build Zoe. What? Zoe, Zoe Stark is the jobber, dude. Zoe, to me, is the tweener. Because you don't know if Zoe's heel because she was with Trish or she's a good guy. They got her doing something. They got her with Shayna right now. And to me, you're just, you know, she's flopping around just because they have nothing. They don't want to build her. Why bring you up if you're not going to do nothing with you? Just to have another body on the main roster. I'm scared they're going to do that with Jade and they're going to drop the ball with her too. And then Charlotte, there's nobody that can handle. We've seen Charlotte and Rhea twice. Guess what? Charlotte won one, Rhea won one. Charlotte won one in front of no fans, like Peter, like you said, other than the two Sela fans. And then Rio won one in front of the, the crowd. And, and you don't want to see Charlotte and Rhea again. If you bring Charlotte back as a heel, Jade's got to be a babyface superstar. If you bring Charlotte back as a face, I don't see you making Jade a heel out the gate. Well, I... I'm just kind of at a loss of words, though, because just Zoe Stark, to me, is she's never going to be any top. I see what you're saying, but I just think that would actually hurt. Well, you did say if it was booked correctly. I just think she just needs to only be with the big talent. You put Jay Cargill in there, give her a little Goldberg treatment after she runs through NXT. Boom, she comes back one night. They have best. They have a WrestleMania match. Well, the thing, the reason why I say that is, she, like you said, she needs to, Charlotte only needs to be with main level talent. Name me a main level talent she has not been with a thousand times that you're sick of seeing her go up against the same people. That's true. Make another star. Bring AJ Lee back. Crap. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we're going to see Jade in two weeks. I would hope so, and I hope she doesn't come out 30. I hope she comes out one. No, she doesn't need to come out one. I think so. And go and do the Brock Lesnar treatment, and then about 15, she gets eliminated. And there's her first feud. Good point. Yeah, yeah, she, she she's gonna be stout. Uh, but yeah, it's uh yeah, Charlotte had gotten kind of stale. I think babyface Charlotte is what has gotten stale. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, her music itself, Ashley, Peter, bow down to the queen or I'll hail the queen. That is just arrogance personified. Mm-hmm. That, that speaks heel. Her music speaks heel. Yes, it does. And she'd be a really good one, man. Well, Mr. Ashley, what you got for number two, brother? All right. I have already mentioned this uh, young lady once. Um. If you if you don't know very much about her, or it's hard, it's really hard to find any video of her. Um, but her story is unbelievable. There was nobody any tougher, no woman any tougher, and you might be hard pressed to find a man 
that was any tougher than my number two. Born August the 5th, 1915. Died February 18th, 1989 at age 74. Career lasted from 1935 until 1955. She held the NWA Women's Championship. She was the inaugural holder of that championship for 20 years. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Miss Mildred Burke. I don't know enough about her to argue you, but from what you read and what I do know about her, she was like the beginning of what women's evolution in wrestling should have been all along. I'll tell you this. Um, her claim to fame is now she started her career in 1935 and they called, they said 1935 is when she started her career. Cause that's when she started wrestling. She started wrestling in a carnival wrestling men. Yep. And she went, her record against men is 201. She, <laughs> she fought 200 men and lost only once. And she battled 200 men during her career, but she only ever lost to one of them. So that's she correct. Was, yeah, 199 and one. That's, that's pretty good. And you got to be pretty awesome if you're wrestling men and they trust you to do that and you're a woman. Back, I mean, a long time ago. We're not talking about 2023. No, we're oh, talking absolutely. about when women didn't even have a right to vote. That was uh, 1919. <laughs> Same thing. They still didn't care. I mean, blacks still don't That's have the same privileges as they have. So, That's... so, and and I'm a huge Cornette listener, right? I listen to both his podcasts. And Cornette talks about Mildred Burke. And he was talking about her on one of the episodes several months ago. And I was like, man, I've heard so much about her from different people. But Cornette's the one that keeps drilling at home. Mildred Burke, Mildred Burke, Mildred Burke. Well, she's no Mildred Burke. Ah, Mildred Burke would squash her. I was, but finally, I said, who is this Mildred Burke? Well, I started looking her up. And let me tell you something. She was bad news. And she got a raw deal. Uh, she was married, like I you know, mentioned earlier, to, uh, to Billy Wolf. And they were training uh, men and women to wrestle. Well, they ended up uh, getting a divorce. And they were affiliated with the NWA. Well, Burke still held the NWA Women's Championship at this time. And she ended up, she didn't get pinned for the title. She basically got robbed of the title because they, the NWA put her, after her divorce, put her against uh, uh, her, her ex-husband's niece. And it was going to be like a two out of three fall, right? Well, Burke said, Mildred Burke said the plan was for her to lose the first fall. And then she was going, you know, Burke was going to win the next two. Well, they fought and fought and fought, and they both got counted out. So they said since they both got counted out, that was it, that Burke couldn't win, you know, the majority of the matches. So since they both got counted out, they stripped her of the title and gave it to her ex-husband's uh, niece. Therefore, she was no longer the NWA women's champion and you were, that's your 20 year champion. And you basically stripped the title from her by stealing it. And then she was partners with her husband, uh, ex-husband. So they divided and the put, they ended up going to court over Mildred Burke's portion, put it in a, a, a trust or something. And then the courts made her ex-husband the administrator over it. 
So basically, he stole her company from her, and she died in California in 1970, uh, at age 74 of a stroke in 1989. Oh, wow. Man, that, that is... I would love. Did you say you read a book, or you just going by stuff you researched? No, I've got a book on her. I Peter, would love. I, what's the name of that book? I'd love to read her story. It's the Mildred Burke story. That's what it's yeah. called. But I've got, I've got it downstairs. I'm working on it, and when I finish it, I'll let y'all, I'll let y'all eat kind of shot at it. That, it's that is so freaking interesting, more than anything we've talked about tonight, right there. Just what you just described is so interesting to me. I'd love to read that book. So, Mildred Burke, ladies and gentlemen, is before sports entertainment. Uh, exactly what – actually, good call. That is exactly why we called this podcast when you said we want to do this. You wanted me and Peter involved. The name you came up with for this podcast when we do this, good good call on, on that one right there. That is exactly why we do something like this because I knew her name and very limited information about her, but after what you just described, and it's a book, I, I want to read that book to find out more about her. And, you know, if you see a picture of her, she looks like a young picture of everybody's grandma, except she's Jack. Yes. I mean, she looks like she could beat up some men, but it's nothing like disgusting. I mean, she's got a great body. It's just she's got some muscle. I mean, and I love that, too, because, you know, back then, I'm sure they, oh, you know, you have your pretty ones. Well, she ain't just beautiful. She ain't ugly, but she's all woman and all wrestler. Look, and you think about that time frame. What was it, actually 1935? Yes, that's when her career started. Okay, when was World War II? 40, 40, 40, 46, 45. Okay, 10, 11 years later, how many women, when you do – Anything about that time frame? Do you see? Look, like, everybody looks like just a petite little woman back then. You didn't see that, so man, another another good reason why. She, actually, you you nailed it. Good one. Well, I, she, then I argued good one. Well, so so she wanted Billy Wolf to train her, and she kept nagging, and he he just no no no. Well, so finally he said okay. He said uh. So-and-so, get in there and give her a body slam. If she can take a body slam, I'll train her. Well, the dude gets in there, and he didn't slam her. She picked him up and slammed him, and Billy Wolf said, I'll train you. <laughs> yeah, I, Hey, I'm impressed with your number two because I never would have put her in my top ten. Not knowing what I knew about her beforehand. Now knowing, like I said, most interesting information to find out more about. Yeah, yeah. Find out stuff. Find out, you know, when you research Mildred Burke, you will be nothing but impressed by her. I'm going to do it, man. It makes me want to find out more about her. So, yeah, good call. And she's actually in the uh, National World War II Museum because her and Mae Young got really big during the time because most men were gone. So they really didn't have, you know, wrestling for men, kind of like a league of their own. And that's when they really kind of came to the top. A good comparison there, bringing May Young into it. You're right, exactly. I mean, the men were overseas fighting and dying, man. So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love that old school aspect actually brought to this one. I love it. I would have never thought of it. Absolutely. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you, Trey. Who have you got for your number one? Hollywood and Vine from Glow. <laughs> no kidding, guys. Kidding, guys. Um, my number one. Um. 
is 37 years old, was born April 5th, 1986. These are the PWI accolades that I have found. Woo! Yep. Feud of the Year 2016, Rookie of the Year 2014, Woman of the Year 2016. She was the last ever WWE Divas Champion, the final one. If you count her Raw, SmackDown, NXT Women's Championship, and the Divas Championship, how many of y'all think that is world titles? 16. Nope. Yes, 16. My bad. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> he didn't believe it. No, no. She won one mo- one more world title. Who she win it with? We're not counting a tag team. Hey, it's a world championship. We're talking of singles tonight, but son. She's won one tag team championship. Do y'all know who her partner was? Oscar. Oscar. And people can say what they want. Oscar, to me, would if she would have been around a little bit longer, could have pushed top ten. Well, we know she could push you off a top rope and hurt Break you. Break your neck, yeah. Put you mm-hmm. out of action for about a year. Tear your knee up. Tear your knee up. She, yeah. she, she fell backwards and just yanked her. But um, she's the fifth women's Triple Crown champion of all time, fourth women's Grand Slam champion of all time. She won the NXT Women's Championship Tournament in 2024, and she won the Royal Rumble in 2020. Not too many women got the accolades of Charlotte Flair or Ashley Flair. That's my number one. I like it. I mean, I had her at two. Y'all are going to hate my one. No, Peter, we won't. Well, let me get to uh, this one. She hadn't been around long, and it's Nyla Rose. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait a minute. You said she had a heat? (laughs) The first one that I I have. Transformers. Number one. And a lot of people will say, well, she wasn't there that long. And she wasn't, but she made such an impact and really, to me, was you're the face. You're not going to say what I think you're going to say. I'm doing it, son, just so you can crap all over me. And I'm going to do the ninth wonder of the world, China. No, you're okay. I thought you were going to say Sable. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Look, if you'd have said Sable, you need to get your temperature checked. No, I got China, and let me tell you why. First of all, China, when she came, was the bodyguard. She didn't speak for about a year, but you saw her, and you were like, that woman could beat me up. That woman could break me in half. Intimidating. And and she was so intimidating, and it was something that never had happened before. And I know that Triple H and Shawn Michaels went out on a limb, and they didn't, Vince didn't want to get her there, and they're like, look, you got to give her a shot, you know, because she was a bodybuilder, and all that she wasn't really a pro wrestler then but she got big after degeneration x and she was women's world champ but not only that i thought it was so cool i didn't like it at first because i had to really suspend my disbelief but then i thought about it she's wrestling jeff jarrett for the intercontinental champion i'm like you know what china could probably beat jeff jarrett and she won that thing three times i thought she was amazing for the time period she was in and unfortunately she's passed away and had her demons but everybody nowadays who needs to be in the hall of fame everybody said china every single person on that roster yes and, and she doesn't need to be with dx she needs to go in solo i agree i agree you know the problem they had with her though was the fact that they had to start wrestling men because she's wrestling these women there's like well 
who's going to win this match? We all know China will. So they had to pivot. You've got somebody that talented because she's a female that, hey, she's going to kill all the female talent. we got to put her with men. That's never going to happen again. Well, it could happen with Jade if you ain't careful. It's true. I think Charlotte could wrestle most men and be believable to beat them. Uh, see, I don't think so. She's she's too. Uh, I won't say she's she's skinnyish. You know, she's not too too too, too pretty. Too feminine. You know, maybe that's it. I don't know. I, because China was very feminine. Uh, you really? know, really. Well, when she had her surgeries and stuff, because I know she had some face work. I mean, she was she was she was pretty, but she was a big. She was solid. It was that physique with her. Uh, you know, bodybuilding that really made you think, yeah, this girl could crush that dude. And look, she, she, what stands out about China to me when we first saw her, I thought she was a man. I did, I did. too. And then, then when she ragdolled Marlena, Terry Runnels, like she did, I thought Terry Runnels' spine was going to snap. Oh, yeah. She ragdolled a mess out of that poor little girl. And then China started getting over more than DX just by mm, herself. Yeah. And you're with the two biggest guys in the company right now who are basically the leaders of the clique, and people want to see you more than they care to see what they're doing. And China, to me, when, when they brought her, look, the thing that got her off my list, not her demon, so to speak, but and it was the TNA impact crap with Kurt Angle. I mean, she was so far gone because of her demons, it basically, it made a mockery of, of her legacy. And I don't know if y'all remember when she teamed with Kurt Angle and, and against Jeff and Karen Jarrett. Mm-mm. That one-off or whatever it was. Was it a one-off, Peter? Had to have been. But they brought, it, she was a shell of herself. And that's why I wish it would have never happened because that's, if people that didn't know her and didn't want to go back and watch, y'all were high on this. This is this is China. It, it's almost like it was a joke, but she needed the paycheck. Well, yeah. so yeah, where... but but man, she she uh, legitimized the the muscular woman in wrestling. Hey, uh, Ashley, I, I, I have I, to, I, go ahead. Uh, I have to say this because you know you said, well, I didn't think she was. I, I thought she was a man. That was one of the funniest things Jr. said, and would totally cancel you when she was a plant. You know, she was sitting there, and then she choked out Marlena. He goes, is that a woman? (laughs) Yeah, he wouldn't be on TV no more today. No. (laughs) Well, so I believe if Triple H, in his attitude he has now, if he'd had that attitude back then, China would probably still be with us. I don't think she'd – I think – in the hindsight being 2020, I think they'd have gone around that whole thing a whole lot different than what they did uh, going their separate ways. But another thing that hurt China, yes, she needed the money. I, I get it. But, man, kind of hard to come back from your own porno called One Night in China. That's very true. Well, that I wasn't mean, the only porno at the time. That was oh just the one everybody God. knew about. That was the homemade porno. <laughs> one Night in China. There's plenty more out there if you want to Google what she did. I don't. I really don't. When she was the She-Hulk porno, painted green, and had 19 wrestlers run a chain on her. 
Well, you know, going to that, that's what Vince said, the reason he didn't want her there. Because he said he did not want some kid to put in China and all that crap pop up. Which, I do understand that, but you got so many wrestlers that have made dumb decisions. You know, you can't just... You got to put her in there. At some uh, well, point. I mean, Xavier Woods and Paige made a porno together on home oh, video with whatever again. that white dude's name was that lasted for a cup of coffee. <laughs> and they kept her on broster. Hmm. Well, what was it oh, uh, the road dog said on his podcast? By the way, his his podcast, oh, you didn't know, is pretty good. Yes, uh, yes. But he said on his podcast, you know, uh, they wanted to do uh, 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 the writers at WWE came to him and said, "Hey, all right, this is what we want. This is what we got for you. We want to do a, a, a storyline, and we're gonna, you know, where you go to rehab, and you know, we're gonna follow you through rehab." And he, he was like, "Wait a minute, I, my kids are gonna see see this. They don't. They're gonna see that I, that I do drugs." And he said, "Of course, now I look back and say, well, they saw me doing drugs all the time anyway, <laughs> right?" But he said it just kind of pissed me off at the time. Hey, well, let me let me throw before actually before we go to your number one, one last thing I got to say about China that I want to ask both of y'all. What do they call Rhea oh. Ripley today? She wears her gear too. What do they I call Rhea was- Ripley today? What's her name? Mommy. Mom, exactly. Who was the original mommy? It was Mamacita when China was with Eddie Guerrero, and that was some of her best work. Latino he. Exactly. Now, y'all can't tell me that wasn't some of China's best work with Eddie Guerrero because Eddie Guerrero brought the best out in everybody, man, when he came oh, to the And I it, wish it, we like, could do an Eddie Guerrero podcast one time. And she wore uh, the last pay-per-view, too. Uh, Rhea wore China's gear. I don't know if y'all saw that. Yes, the white and black. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. Was that China's? Yeah. How'd she get it? I, I, don't, I think they probably made it just like hers, but she was it giving was a shout-out. to China. Yeah, because I mean, Rhea, Rhea is your modern day China with the way she could probably kick some dudes' butts. I mean, she's a she's a strong young lady. Well, you know when she, when China was going through her surgeries, right, and morphing right before our very eyes. Right. I'll, I'll Not never a bad forget, Playboy pinup either. I, I'll never forget <laughs> that ep, that episode of Monday Night Raw where uh, Shawn Michaels and Hunter were, and China was standing beside them or behind them, and they said, "Ladies and gentlemen." We'd like to introduce the two newest members of DX. Everybody turned and looked toward the Titan Tron, and they turned and looked at China's chest. Oh, that was hilarious. I remember that. <laughs> or when she dropped her pants with her thong and showed both her butt cheeks and just bent over. <laughs> they got away with so much crap back then, guys. <laughs> that was so elementary. Yeah, it was. But Peter, That's uh, why I, Peter, I, I she, just, to me, Rhea and China are on the same plane as far as their their um, trajectory. Rhea can be bigger than China ever was, but China at that time that that, that I didn't think we'd ever see another woman wrestler come close to where she went as far as popularity. Mm-hmm. Just different. Rhea's just different. When you look at her, there's something different about Rhea Ripley, man. And if they're not careful, they're gonna mess around, and Rhea Ripley's gonna be a face. Hey, five years from now, we could do this podcast all over again and Rhea Ripley be in all our top fives if they keep going with her the way they're going. Well, Ashley, what you got for number one, man? Man, we've already hit my number one. Uh, WWE debut 2012, 
NXT 2012-2014, main roster 2015 to the present. 6721, currently married to Andrade El Idolo and is out of action due to a torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Charlotte Flair, your queen. Oh, man. I didn't even mention Andrade and her. Dude, when she comes back, you got any kind of built-in feud with a couple ready to happen in that organization, man. Because Andrade will be back at the Royal Rumble count on it. And Charlotte coming back, man, I can see them do it. But just don't bring her daddy back to stand at ringside. Oh, he's under contract. He's under contract to AEW. Yeah, because they not WWE's not going to sponsor Woo Wings or Woo Energy. Well, Flair is probably still hung over from that Tampa Bay game because if you didn't know, he was the one that was uh, – he was the party guy and he was throwing stuff out in the crowd. And I thought he was about to have a massive coronary up there on the ship deck. You're lying. I did not pay attention to that. Yes. He had a jersey and everything. It was hilarious. I'll send it to y'all. Rick Flair – Look, Charlotte did not want to be in her daddy's shadow. She's done everything right to where you don't think. Because she took whatever her daddy was famous for and put her own spin on it to where it's a little bit different every time. And I, you can't argue Ric Flair's top five of all time, period. Charlotte, there's no argument with Charlotte Flair for the short, what is it, 10 years actually now? She's been in the company? 2012. All right, 12 years. From like Peter said, wasn't even her dream. It was her brother's Reed's dream, and when he he died tragically, she she honored him, and she has taken that that fulfillment of his dream and just shot it through the stratosphere, man. No nothing like Trish Stratus when I say stratosphere, but man, Charlotte Flair is just from day one she had it, man. And I don't know if it's in the genetics or what. But Charlotte Flair, man, ain't, there's not going to be another woman like her anytime soon. All right. And recapping, Trey, go over your top five in order, five to one. All right. Uh, sensational Sherry, number five. Bull Nakano with Peter Crapped on, number four. <laughs> Bailey, number three, which we all agree she, she's deserving of the top five, even though I'm the only one that had her. Trish Stratus, number two. I think we all had Trish. Charlotte Flair, number one. I believe we all had Charlotte. So I only had uh, three that y'all didn't have. I had two that y'all had. Peter, who you got? Number five, Becky Lynch. Number four, Trish Stratus. Number three, Mickey James. Number two, Charlotte Flair. And number one, the ninth wonder of the world, China. And my top five, starting at number five, the fabulous Moolah. Number four, Trish Stratus. Number three, Sherry Martell. Number two, an education on Mildred Burke. And my number one was Charlotte Flair. Guys, great job tonight. I love it how we covered we – co- actually, you covered really old, and then I covered, and you covered, you know, kind of that mid-range. And Peter, for, for the, the younger person, who, younger than us, Peter covered everything that you would cover if you were a younger person because that's what he really, you know, focused on and got his attention. So, man, I think we did a good job covering all different aspects. Amen. Peter, did you follow what he was saying? I did, but I was thinking at the same time, I think Trey right now is trying to get us jobs with the WWE. So, I'm with him. I got two more (laughs) storylines mapped up for another year and a half like I did a couple weeks ago if y'all want to roll with them. 
Thank nah, you. We'll, we'll discuss that at a later time. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Appreciate y'all joining us tonight. Uh, good discussion as always. And we'll be back next week with a, another topic on the Before Sports Entertainment Podcast. Till then, we'll see you. <laughs>